Amen. All right. We are in Genesis chapter 4 this evening. Genesis chapter 4. All right, we are uh, we're still talking about the beginning of civilization. Uh, we've been on on this for a little bit. Uh, we'll be moving on here in, in the next couple of lessons. Um, but we're looking at the first family tonight, and we find that in Genesis chapter four. Now we'll go ahead and read the, the first couple of verses there. It says, "And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord." And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought the, of the first, excuse me, brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. God, we pray for your blessings on our lesson tonight. Pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, last week... Um, in the last chapter, we went over the sin of Adam as we looked in chapter 3. We actually spent two weeks on that. But uh, in chapter 3, we went over the sin of Adam and Eve. Uh, we studied what sin is. We studied where it came from. And we studied what its end is. Now, again, just posing the question to you, uh, where does sin come from? Sin comes from Satan? Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Came from, comes from, yeah, stems from lust, okay? So as we've been talking about, the, the uh, seed of sin is lust. It, uh, it starts with lust, um, and it says, When lust therefore hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the end of sin is death, and uh, we've been talking about all that. Now, we also discussed both the immediate and eternal consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. Uh, what was the what were the immediate consequences of Adam and Eve's sin? The immediate consequences. Okay. They spiritually died. Okay. They had to leave the garden. Exactly. All right. So some of those immediate things were um, that, of course, uh, God, uh, you know, he he talked with them. Uh, he you know he told them what what they did. Um, and he, because of that, thrust them out of the garden. Now, can you remember some of the other immediate punishments that, uh, that God gave to Adam and Eve? Adam would have to work by the sweat of his brow, okay, and Eve, and bearing children. Right, and, and Eve would uh, bring forth children in sorrow, right. And so those were the immediate uh, physical consequences of sin. Now the eternal consequence of sin uh, comes to the spiritual death that took place. Um, there was immediate consequences where they physically uh, you know, there was some physical judgment that they had to go through uh, because of what they did, but then there was that 
eternal consequence as well, which was the separation from God, uh, the spiritual death, and, and all that that took place at the moment that they sinned. So we talked about all that last week. And the last thing we read is that man was driven out of the garden and made to till the ground from whence he came. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we saw that, uh, you know, instead of Adam having, a, uh, having it easy, instead of God, you know, blessing the, the fruit and blessing the ground and everything, that he was going to have to work in order for uh, that, that uh, ground to come up. I also just wanted to use the word whence. Now, the first thing that we find uh, in verses 1 and 2 are uh, the brothers. And uh, we'll go ahead and read those verses. It says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, even in the early verses, uh, we see the differences between these two sons. I want us to look at uh, what verse 2 tells us about this. Uh, What was Abel's occupation? Shepherd, okay. Keeper of sheep, uh, a shepherd. All right, and what was uh, Cain? They were both farmers? Okay. More specifically. All right, Cain was a tiller of the ground. All right. So uh, so we, we see there, there are two different occupations. We'll get back to that here in just a second. Uh, but I just want you to, to notice that. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, let's, let's think about something just real quick, okay? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, what do we find that man was created to do? In that verse, what does it tell us that man was created to do? Fish of the sea and birds of the sky and all creepy things. So dominion over animal life uh, is basically what we find uh, there in verse 26. All right, now in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, what is the curse for man's sin? Do what? Okay, the animals appear. All right. What, in those verses, what, what do we find the curse is for man's sin? In 17 through 19. Chapter 3. Right. Okay. Uh, if you look in verse 17, down about halfway it says, uh, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. So one of the immediate consequences, the the curse that we find there, uh, it wasn't necessarily a curse on Adam, but God cursed the ground. And uh, because he cursed the ground, that's why Adam was going to have to work so hard in order to get his food. And so, uh, sorry about that, train came through. Right. Had to start pulling weeds. Yeah, we talked about that last week. All right, so I just want you to think about that for just a second. All right, now when we look at these verses, um, what, thinking about what we just said, what could be implied by the difference in Cain and Abel's occupations? What was, what was Abel again? He was a shepherd, okay. And what was Cain? A tiller of the ground, all right. Now think about that. Let your wheels turn for just a second. What could be implied 
in just the description that we find about these two men in verse 2. One made veggies, the other made meat, okay? What did you say? Cain would have a rough life, okay? Do what? Seven personalities? All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Do what? He was the favorite child, Abel. Okay. Had to have veggies to eat, right? Now, I want you to think about this, okay? Now, we already know, if you didn't know anything about Cain and Abel, this may not make any sense. But what do we know about Abel? Seemed to have been a just man, uh, you know, a, a, a godly man. What do we know about Cain? He was more of a, he was a rebel, right? Uh, he was he was more inclined towards, uh, you know, not walking God's path. So I want you to think about this. This is just food for thought. I'm not, you know, saying that this is exactly what is implied or anything, but just think about what could be implied. I want you to notice that in verse 2, what we find, based on what we've already seen uh, from Scripture, that Abel's job, just just through his personality, what, what he leaned more towards, uh, was was that which was you know first associated with man's purpose on you know on earth with God's design for man is to have dominion over animal life the birds of the sea fowl of the air the beasts of the field and all that kind of stuff and uh, and so what we find is that Abel uh, he was a keeper of the sheep but then Cain Cain's job his occupation was more uh, in tune with the uh, the curse of the ground remember he was a, a tiller of the ground. Now that's not to say that uh, you know that tilling the ground. There's anything evil about tilling the ground, or, or anything more righteous about watching over animals. That that's not the uh, implication there. But what we see about these men is that one is you know his life is leaning more towards you know in line with God's original design for man, and uh, and Cain just so happens to be doing something uh, that is associated with the curse that God had put on the ground. And as we continue to, to look through and we continue to see their personalities, see their characteristics, we might see uh, why these things fell in that order. All right? Does that make any sense? Is that confusing? <laughs> Do what? No, it hadn't made sense yet. Okay. All right. Well, it may not, so we'll just keep going. Now, the first two verses, what we find there is that they set the scene for what is about to take place uh, between these two brothers. Uh, they imply that there is already a difference in character between the two. One leans more towards, uh, you know, the promise, uh, and one leans more towards, uh, you know, the uh, the curse or the uh, the sinful uh, side of man. Now we find Cain's offering in verse three. Uh, we're looking at the offering now, in verses three through seven. In verse three, we see Cain's offering. It says, "And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering." Unto the Lord. All right, so we see Cain's offering. Uh, what did Cain bring? All right, brought, brought veggies. Okay. All right, then we see Abel's offering in verse 4. It says, And Abel, uh, he also brought the firstling of his, flock, of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. He shed blood. So 
Right. What was his offering? Probably a sheep or a lamb, right? He was a he was a herder, so he probably took of his own flock, right? I think that's what it says. Now we find uh, God's response there in verse five. It says, "But to Cain and to his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very raw. He was angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou raw, and why is thy countenance fallen?" Now, I think I wrote all that down. I'm sorry. Um, either way, sorry. Uh, we see Cain's anger there at the end of verse six and verse seven. Uh, he said, "You know, Cain, Cain was wroth." He's, uh, God said, "Why are you mad? Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen?" He said, "If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him." And we'll talk about verse seven here a little more in just a moment. But I want us to consider these offerings that were brought. Now, I think some of you are, you know, indoctrinated, indoctrinated enough that uh, you kind of have a pretty good idea of, uh, you know, what, what the difference between this was. But why do you think God was pleased with Abel's offering and not Cain's? Okay. I think it's very possible that he, you know, very probable that he did. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Well, that that could all be very true as well. Um, kind of what I was leaning towards a while ago is just the, you know, if we just think about, you know, what God's original purpose was, you know, how, how Abel, you know, his working with sheep and everything, he was a righteous man. And, and it just so happened, you know, more looking at coincidences, I guess, than, than anything else. Do what? Well, okay, all right. But, uh, but just the fact that, you know, that Abel, you know, what he was doing seemed to be more in line with God's original purpose for man, and the fact that Cain, who was more rebellious, just so happened to be working with things, you know, that were uh, more associated with the curse itself. Yes, yes, sir. Right. 
Right. It seems like he did. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like God was still, uh, you, you know, at, at this time God was still speaking audibly, you know, to to people. Uh, obviously, God was still speaking audibly with Cain and and others. Um, you know, even though man fell and the sin took place and and man was evicted from the garden, uh, God covered his sin. You know, we we saw that how God covered his sin. And, uh, you know, through Adam and Eve's faith, you know, in God, I'm sure that they repented and turned back and sinned. So in salvation, they were brought back to that connection with God. So, yes, he, he would have still been in communication, you know, with Adam and Eve. And so, yeah, they, they would have very much known, you know, the expectations for, you know, what, what the offering is supposed to be. Now, there are two, two ideas that, that go along uh, with the offering of Cain and Abel, and you know what is right, and, and what you know what, what was wrong with Cain's offering and all that. Uh, one of those is um, is the uh, the thought that um, where it says in uh, the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord, and uh, and so it doesn't say that he brought the the first fruits or anything like that. He just brought of his his offering, uh, or of his crop, he brought it to the Lord. And, uh, and so it was kind of a half-hearted thing, uh, you know, and that may be why God didn't, didn't, did not accept it. Um, you know, we're able, he brought the first fruits, and, you know, we see all through the law and, you know, and after that that we're supposed to bring the best to God. And so, you know, it, it may have been the attitude, uh, may have been the difference. And then there's also that thought, uh, on the other hand, uh, there's that viewpoint where uh, the reason why Cain's was not acceptable and Abel's was acceptable is because uh, one was a blood sacrifice and, and one was not a blood sacrifice. Now, the one that I lean more towards, uh, I think both have valid points. I think that if we are even bringing our first fruits to God but are not doing it with the right attitude, that's not acceptable to God, right? I mean, we, we could bring the best of everything that we have, uh, but if our attitude, you know, if we're not really worshiping God, if we're just doing it out of expectation, then that's that's not acceptable worship. And uh, and so I see that viewpoint of it as well. But one thing I can't get past that one, I just I can't get past it, and I've considered you know all those different possibilities. But it, that verse just keeps coming up and over and over and over again. That without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And, you know, that's exactly the, uh, the pattern that we've already seen in the garden as well, where Adam and Eve tried to cover up their sin 
you know, with, uh, with their own work and with their own efforts. They, they went to hide themselves with fig leaves, work to, uh, to cover up their own sin. Uh, but God, of course, did not recognize that, and he went out and made the first sacrifice uh, by slaying an animal. Uh, the, the blood was shed, and he covered, he covered their sin with the blood, and he covered their nakedness with the, uh, with the skin of that animal. And, uh, and so here we have, again, uh, that the process of time has come. You know, whatever that is indicating, it, it literally translated would be end of days. Uh, so whether that means that it was the Sabbath day or whether it means it was just a, maybe after the harvest or after a certain time of the year, it was time to worship God. There evidently had already been some kind of system, you know, set up in Adam's family when they worshiped God and when they made sacrifices and everything. And so both of them, they come to bring their offerings to the Lord. And uh, there may have been some just Thanksgiving offerings that were given up. And for a Thanksgiving offering, that would have been perfect. Vegetation would have been perfectly acceptable. Uh, but I also have to believe that if you're going to go, go worship God, you better bring an offering for sin as well, right? And so I would imagine that in this offering, in this worship that they were bringing, uh, their sins had to be right with God before any of that worship would have been acceptable. And, uh, and so... Abel comes and he brings of his flock. He sheds blood. Uh, he, he brings the, uh, the best of the meat, uh, the, the choicest part of, of the lamb, and the best of the flock that he possibly had. Uh, where it talks about, if you look there in verse, uh, verse, verse uh, 4, it says, And Abel brought also of the firstlings of his, of his flock. So the best of his flock. And then it says that he brought the fat thereof. So he picks out the best from his flock, and what the fat means, it's not talking about the fat, you know, like we think about fat. The fat that it's talking about there is the, the choice parts, the best part of that animal is what he brought and sacrificed and probably burnt, you know, in an offering up to the Lord. And, uh, and so he did what we have seen throughout the entire Bible as being an acceptable offering to God. That's what he brought to the Lord, where Cain... Uh, you know, he, he's been working with his hands, uh, you know, probably very proud of the fruit that he has brought up. He goes and he brings an offering to the Lord, and regardless of where his heart was, you know, it, we, it's easy to read into, you know, well, he just brought some of the, uh, but we don't, you know, we don't know where his heart was. Regardless of where his heart was, if his attitude was right before God, or if it wasn't right before God, the fact that if he made a sin offering without blood, it wasn't acceptable. Now, notice what God said. He said down in verse 7, he said, he said, Cain, why are you mad? And that was in verse 6. He says, why are you mad? Why, why is your countenance fallen? Why, why is your face changed towards me? Why are you so upset about all this? Now, he said in verse 7, he said, if you do well, if you do right, will it not be well with, with you? Is that not going to be acceptable to me? And if you do right, Will you not be the leader over your brother? But if not, then sin lies at the door. If you're not willing to coincide with, with my way of doing things, then sin lies at the door. I don't have to respect your offering just because you brought it to me. It's pretty much what I get out of, uh, of what God is saying there. And uh, I kind of already uh, talked about what God, may, what God meant there in verse 7. Uh, you know, he said... He said uh, you know, if you do well, let's see, in verse 7 it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. If you do the right thing, are you, are you not accepted for that? All right, but if not, then sin lies at the door. All right, so that's, that's really what, what I lean more towards is, 
you know, and I, I see the other argument for that, but without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It was, it was the same way the first sin that was ever committed all the way to, the, to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Uh, without blood, there is no remission of sin. And, uh, mm-hmm. Well, now I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, look at whether or not, because God said, you know, if you do right, Cain, you know, possibly he had brought many acceptable sacrifices to God previous to that. You know, it's it's very likely that Adam and Cain, or Abel and Cain were not young men. You know, they, they could have been well in their 40s, 50s, you know, up, up in this time. And so there could have been many offerings that Cain had already brought to God that were acceptable, but this one was not. And, and this is when Cain got mad, and this is when God came to him and said, look, you know, if you do right, do what? All the way up to it, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I think, you know, it's very possible that Cain was saved just like Abel was, uh, but that he got out of God's will and, and ran away, you know, ran from God. Now, his lineage, because he got out of the will of God, his lineage is also going to be one that is, is rebellious, and, uh, and they're going to cause a lot of problems as they begin to multiply. Uh, now, was Cain saved? I have no idea. Was he not saved? I have no idea. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that I, you know, we really can't, you know, say one way or the other on that. Any other comments on the offering here? Absolutely. All right, maybe moving on. All right, let's look at the revenge uh, in verses 8 through 10. Now, first of all, we've seen Cain's uh, vengeance uh, there in verse 8. It says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. All right, so we see his vengeance. We see Cain's rebellion towards God in verse 9. It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? We see God's ears of justice in verse 10. It says, uh, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, we, uh, we don't have a lot of time, so I'll just kind of go through this. Verse 9, uh, I was going to ask the question, you know, what does it tell us about Cain's character we already know that he's sinful. We already know that, uh, that he is rebellious. We know that he has, uh, his, his anger has come to the point of killing his brother. But when he is faced with his sin, when, when God comes to him and confronts his sin, it says, Cain, where's your brother? 
What was his response? I don't know. Who ate this cookie? I don't know. Who made this mess? Mm-hmm. Am I the housekeeper? And that's you know that's exactly what Cain did. I I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now I kind of see a play on words here. Um, you know, up in in verse uh, four. Oh, not four. Verse two. Abel was a keeper of sheep. And uh, and down here, Cain asked, "Am I my brother's keeper? Am I his shepherd? Do I, do I have responsibility over him?" Kind of being smart out of a little bit, wasn't he? Towards God. That's not a great idea, by the way. Now, how was God's response similar to the response that he gave Eve in verse 3 and 13? Now, I want you to, uh, we don't have a lot of time for discussion here, but uh, here in verse uh, in verse 10, God says, What have you done? Did God know what he did? What did he ask Eve? after he found them in the garden hiding. He asked that. What did he ask first? No, he asked Adam that. He asked Adam that. What have you done? God said, what have you done? God knew what she did too, didn't he? Why do you think God asked that question? Well, I think uh, very probably... The reason why I asked that question was to put it in their court. He knew what they did. Were they willing to confess their sin? Were they willing to own up with the responsibility? What have you done? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, now we see the punishment in verses 11 through 15. Uh, we see God's curse on Cain says, and now thou art cursed from the earth, uh, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Remember, he was a tiller of the ground. That was his job. He says, now the earth is cursed. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be on the earth. He says, uh, or we find the mark on Cain in verse 13 through 15. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, uh, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, I want us to uh, consider this. There have been all kinds of foolish things that have been taught about Cain's curse and Cain's mark. And uh, we're not going to even consider what some of that stuff has been, but I'm sure you've heard some of it before. But let me ask you just very quick, what was the uh, curse that was put on Cain? Be a vagabond. And what else? A fugitive and vagabond, but there's one more thing you said too. The ground will not produce... He was a, that's what he'd been his whole life, gardener. That's what this whole fight was over. Because he brought, the, the, he brought his fruit to God, and God didn't accept it. He says, from now on, it's not going to bear anything. 
Hmm. Interesting, huh? Right. All right. Now, what was the purpose of the mark that was put on Cain? Protecting. Right. Exactly. Yes. Have you heard the foolishness that goes along with the mark on Cain? The mark on Cain was very simply so, so that nobody would kill him. It was uh, just, you know, very, they would know that that was him and uh, it would not touch him. Now, we see the departure in verses 16 through 24. Uh, we are running out of time. Uh, we see Cain's journey. Let's read verse 16. It says uh, in verse 16, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now it says he knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city, and the name of the city uh, was after his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Arad, uh, all these other guys uh, were born to them. And so we see Cain's uh, descendants, you know, beginning to, to go on down. And, uh, and, of course, you know, they populate the earth uh, very, very much so. And we'll actually talk about that a little bit more uh, in a couple more lessons uh, we'll talk about Cain's family just a little bit more. Uh, but I just want us to consider just very quickly uh, something here. In verse 16, uh, of course, we know that Cain was told that he would be a fugitive and a vagabond all of his life. So it's no surprise in verse 16 that he left, okay? No surprise at all that, that he would have ran off. But there's still something that's very troubling and disturbing about Cain's departure in verse 16. Uh, something, you know, as I was reading that, I, it never caught me like this before. I never thought about it in this way. But it says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Not just that he left town. He went from the presence of the Lord. Departed from God. Exactly. Turned his back on God. Absolutely. Went out and built his own city. Built his own family. Built his own community. Wound up populating very much, uh, you know, very much the population was uh, from Cain's ascendancy. Yes, exactly. All the idolatry and all that began from Cain's uh, descendants, absolutely. And uh, and so, you know, if I, as I read that in verse 16, it just hit me this way. Uh, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, turned his back on God, and uh, and his children would suffer for that. Now, most important question of everything. Where did Cain get his wife? Okay, anybody else? I have the answer. Absolutely. Anybody else? Talk? You ready for? You're going to want to write this down, okay? I have discovered where Cain got his wife from. You ready? He got her from his mother-in-law. I don't know. By the time... Oh, we didn't get to cover this. Hold on. Uh, they also had another kid that was named Seth. Hopefully get through this. Seth, uh, 
Adam was 150 years old when Seth was born. How many kids? Yeah. Right. Well, Adam lived 900 something years, and he had and he had and he had sons and daughters. That's what it says. He lived 900 some odd years, had sons and daughters. God told him, "Be fruitful, multiply the earth." Where did Cain get his wife? Probably sister dearest. Yeah. This is a different Enoch, yeah. Right. Uh, the other Enoch would be from Seth's descendants. Now, very quickly, I know we're running out of time here. If my clicker will work, we might be able to finish this. Oh, I turned it off. All right, verse 25 and 26. Very quickly, I'm sorry, I know I'm going over time here. It says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said she had appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. That's another very uh, profound statement there. In verse 16, we see a patriarch who leads an exodus from the Lord in his ways. Cain departed from the presence of the Lord, went away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 16, we see one that walks away from God. And uh, verse 26, we find a patriarch who leads a return to the Lord. After Seth was born, after his son was born, it says, Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And so Seth is going to establish a godly lineage that is going to go down, you know, through the, the ages. All right? Now, the account of Cain and Abel provides uh, many practical truths for us to apply to our own lives. There's many we could talk about. But the one that truly stands out is the importance of serving and worshiping God on His terms. And as we strive to uh, to serve God, as we strive to worship Him, we have to keep in mind that God is not obligated to condone everything that we do. Uh, He's not obligated to to be okay uh, with everything that we do. We can sincerely worship God in the wrong way, and it's still wrong. Think about that. With all our hearts, we can do the wrong thing, and it's wrong. We have to approach God on, on His grounds, by by His expectations, and uh, you know. And I know you know we talk about this a lot, but we're you know we're we're getting more and more towards a, a generation that. And and I guess you know it's always been even from Cain and Abel that there's always been that thought. But you know to say that one one is okay and one's not acceptable or. Or if you even mention that God might not accept this or that, you know, people want to start getting rowdy, you know. But the fact is, is God has a right to accept whatever he wants to accept, you know. And just like he said to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Absolutely. But if not, then sin lies at the door. That's just something for us to think about. When we come on Sunday to worship God, we need to come on his, on his terms. We need to worship Him the way He has designed us to worship Him. Not just bring anything we, we want. You know what I mean? So just keep that in mind. All right, any, anything else? I know we're running a little bit late. Y'all don't seem to mind that much. 